0: Okay, we are here. We are ready to go. Thank you for joining me today, New Hope Radio. We're in a series entitled For Adults Only. <laughs> and the reason we call it For Adults Only, we're talking about what it looks like when you get to mature Christianity. That's the important thing. When we grow up into Christ-likeness, what does it look like? That's some of the things that we're talking about right here on New Hope Radio. You know, so many images come to my mind when I think about the attributes of God. Do you know the attributes of God? The things that make up God. The fact that God is all-seeing, right? Omniscient. He's all-seeing. It means He's all-knowing, but He's all-seeing. What, what image kind of is created in your mind? Maybe God has big eyes. All-knowing. He reads our hearts. How about mercy? You have an image, when you, when you hear about the mercy of God, is there an image that comes up in your mind? I think of a big bear hug, you know, because God is forgiving and restoring. That's what mercy does, doesn't it? It forgives and it restores, And, you know, the more attributes we know of God, and there are many more, truth, veracity, omnipresence, righteousness, love, the more we get to know Him, the more we get to trust Him, and we find ourselves wanting to walk with Him. We're going to take a look at an attribute today. It's really important not only to see, but to understand, and perhaps this is the one that we rarely, if ever, think of. And you know what it is? Rest. Rest. A lot of times we talk about us resting in God. I want to talk today about God resting in us. Oh, what do you think that means? That God actually rests in us. The fact that He rests in His love toward us. That's what we're going to see today. When God is silent in his love that is a true-to-life principle and it's only true for the mature believer you baby believers you're on your way you can get there stay with it but when we reach a certain level of Christ-likeness, then you realize this principle and it'll be true for you that god rests in his love toward you now let me give you some background God is speaking to the people of Israel through the Old Testament prophet Zephaniah. And we're going to be in Zephaniah chapter 3. Here's the background to what's happening. And what was going on in those days, it's a little bit like our day today in America. Hmm. Widespread moral corruption. Extravagance. Fortunes made by oppressing the poor. People fell away from worshiping God, or half-hearted worship at best. That's what was going on in those days, in the days of Zephaniah, and it seems like "Mm," these things are happening today as well. But in spite of these conditions, there were a few who remained faithful. And you know the good news, no matter how bad things get? There are always a few who remain faithful. I call them the remnant. There's always the remnant. In our own decaying society, perhaps many of you that are listening, and others like you, you have remained faithful. Yes, you have. You've stood strong, stand firm, you're holding on to your faith. The world is going one way, but you're standing strong in Christ. You're the remnant. As a matter of fact, the church is the remnant in the world today. So this is what was going on when God gave Zephaniah this warning for the people. And though it was a warning of coming judgment because of their, what I just mentioned, extravagance, oppression, half-hearted worship, God didn't stop at the warning He ended with a word of hope, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the word of hope that God gave the people of Israel. And we find it in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. I like that right off the bat. God is there. Did you know that no matter what, God is there? And God is with you, no matter what, good or bad, up or down. God is with you. So the Lord God is in your midst, Oh, a victorious warrior. That's what he's called here. He will exalt over you. That word exalt, it means rejoice. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Now that sounds like a contradiction. He'll be quiet in his love, but he'll rejoice over you with shouts of joy. I'm like, what is going on here? Well, some translations say he will rest in his love. Not he will be quiet, but he will rest in his love. See, to be silent, well, here's what the Jewish Bible says. I'll give you some different translations. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will be silent in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Oh, picture God singing. Wow, that's quite a scene. So there are some things going on here in this passage. Number one, the Lord is in your midst. I like that. He is in the closest closest relationship to the Israelites, even though they're not doing that well in their walk with Him. Maybe they have forsaken Him, but you know what? He hasn't forsaken them. And the good news is, even in your and my downtime, our seasons when we're not doing that well, and maybe even cooled off in our walk with the Lord, God doesn't leave us. Oh, no. He doesn't forsake us, because that's that's what God is like. We also are in a new covenant with Him. Today we observe communion as a reminder of that covenant relationship that we have with God. So as the Israelites were in a covenant relationship with the Lord, when Jesus came, He said, I give you a new covenant. And this one, it was not based on animal sacrifice. This one's based on his own sacrifice on the cross, okay? So we want to establish, first of all, God is in their midst, and he's in our midst too. Secondly, he is a victorious warrior. He's called the Mighty One who will save. Now, you know what that means? If God will save, that means he provides, here it comes, a secure future. We need to know that we have a secure future because your present might not look that secure. We've all been there, haven't we? Oh, yeah. We've been through the storm. We've been through the trials. And at that moment, it didn't look that good. But the future of the believer, here it comes, is always secure. Don't ever forget that. The future of the believer Is always without a doubt, very certainty, guaranteed, secure. Okay. Thirdly, it says, He will rejoice over you with joy. I mean, here's a beautiful picture of the Lord Himself rejoicing over His people, thrilled about His people, celebrating His people. That's, see, that's going to be the outcome. Not in their backslidden state, but this is going to be the outcome of it all. But the fourth one, he said, that he'll be silent in his love. And then the fifth one, he'll joy over you with singing. Now, most of these are pretty clear. But there is one, it's, it's not that clear. But we need to understand it. And what is it? that doesn't seem to be too clear, that God will be silent in his love. Does that mean God does not love? Or contraire. It means just the opposite. And if you don't understand when or why God is silent in his love, it'll cause you to doubt. And then you'll have this sense of Wondering, where am I with God? When doubt begins to take over, the wind begins to blow and you start to fall away. So we always have to watch out for doubt. So let me give you this little demonstration to help us all to understand what it means when God is silent in His love. Okay? Try to picture with me in your mind the description that I'm given. Okay? It's a demonstration of an old and beautiful story that a Christian lady dreamed where she saw three others at prayer. And as they knelt down and they were praying, the master drew near to them. That was Jesus. As he approached the first of the three, he bent over her in tenderness and grace And with a smile full of radiant love, he spoke to her in the most beautiful, sweetest voice. Then leaving her, he moved over to the next lady that was praying. But this time, he only placed his hand upon her bowed head. He gave her one quick look of loving approval, and he walked away. He came to the third woman. When he came to the third woman, he he passed by her almost abruptly, without even stopping, didn't give her a word, didn't give her a glance. And the woman that was dreaming about this scene, she said to herself, Oh, how greatly he must love the first one. Bowed down and spoke tender words to her. Oh, the second one, he gave his approval, touched her head. But none of the special demonstrations of love did he do to the third. She thought, oh, this third lady, she must have grieved him, grieved him deeply. He gave her no word at all, not even a passing look. I wonder what she has done and why he made so much difference between them. As she tried to account for the actions of the Lord, He Himself stood by her and He said, Oh, my dear, how wrongly you have interpreted me. The first kneeling woman, she needs all the weight of my tenderness and care to keep her feet in my narrow way. Oh, she needs my love, she needs my thoughts. She needs my help every moment of the day. Without it, she would fail and she would fall. So we see that this woman, I would call her high maintenance. Okay, she's a high maintenance woman spiritually. Then he said, the second one, well, she has a little stronger faith and a deeper love. And I can trust her. I can trust her and she can trust me however things may go and whatever people may do. So I gave her a little approval, a little encouragement and passed on. Oh, but the third woman, the one that I seemed not to even notice, it looked like I neglected her. Let me tell you about this woman. She has faith and love of the finest quality. And I am training her by quick and drastic processes for the highest and holiest service. She knows me intimately. She trusts me utterly. She's independent of words or looks or any outward intimation of my approval. She's not dismayed. She's not discouraged by any circumstances through which I may arrange that she pass through. She trusts me when sense and reason and every finer instinct of the natural heart would rebel. And this is why. Because she knows that I am working in her for eternity. And that what I do, though she will not understand now, she will understand hereafter. So here's what what he said. I am silent in my love because I love beyond the power of words to express it. I am silent in my love because I love beyond the ability of human hearts to understand Hmm. And also, for your sakes, that you may learn to love and trust me, God can and will do wonderful things in your life if you will learn the mystery of this silence. So it's like, here's a woman that was so mature in her faith, she didn't need encouragement, she didn't need a word, She didn't need a pat on the head or a hug because she knew where she stood with God. Today, let's make this contemporary. To get to this place of this third woman, you don't need to see miracles or signs or wonders. You don't need to see the face of Jesus in the clouds. (laughs) You don't need any of those externals. Why? Because Christ is so alive in your heart. And you know what I look at? Whenever feelings of doubt begin to arise in me, there's only one place to look. And I don't look at the circumstances. I don't look at the people. I don't look at how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. You know what I look at? I look at the cross. Oh, yeah? That's the place to look. That settles the issue. Does God love me? I look at the cross. Does God care about me? I look at the cross. Am I valuable in God's sight? I look at the cross. Has God forgotten me? I look at the cross. Folks, the cross is everything. It's everything. It's more than a piece of jewelry. It's a reminder of the love of God through Christ. When we get to that place in our Christian walk and we praise Him for every time He withdraws His gifts, and the reason He'll withdraw the gifts is to better know His love. Think about it. We love the gifts, But do we love the love? And do the loves have to come? Does the love have to come in the form of the gifts? Or can the love come just in the form of Christ and the cross? Do you want to get to the place in your Christian life where you are just settled and secure in your faith and you don't need outward reminders, outward forms, outward evidences of God? You're just so secure in what you believe and in what you know. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. It's right there. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy and he will be silent in his love. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. When God is silent in his love, it means you are arriving at a place of great faith, and then he will joy over thee with singing. The King James Version says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy, and he will rest in his love. He'll rest in his love. You know what that means? He doesn't have to keep doing things for you. You know, we pray and we pray, and half of our prayer life is about, God, do this for me, do that for me. Get me out of here. Bring me this, bring me that. Fix this, change that. But when God can rest in His love, we're just content in Him. We're content in God. You know, we read where God rested another time, too. He rested because He was happy at what he saw. It seems like when God is happy, he can rest. And what was it that God saw that made him happy and he could rest? Oh, well, you know what he saw? We find it in Genesis 2 1. The heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And what did God do? On the seventh day, he ended his work, which he had made, and he rested. He rested on the seventh day from all of his work. Why? Everything was good. God can rest in his love toward you when you get to that place of great faith. And you know what he says? Oh, everything is good. Oh, it's so good with that one. She's at the right place. He's at the right place. They're at a place of growth, of maturity. Well, I don't have to keep doing, doing, doing. Oh, but I will. But I don't have to. That's the thing. That makes God happy because our faith has grown. What do you think God sees when he sees you? Who are washed in the blood, the blood of his son. What do you think God sees? You, who in humility, you know what you said? I need forgiveness. And I need a Savior. That was humility talking. Because humility recognizes truth. Pride doesn't recognize truth. Pride can't see beyond itself. So it doesn't need a Savior. But humility says, I can see something now. I can see what I never saw before. I need forgiveness. I need a Savior. God sees someone who is more than good when you have Christ. He sees someone who has been made righteous. Wow, you've been made perfect, because you have the indwelling Christ. And that's what happens to you when you receive Christ as Savior. You are made perfect. And God looks in and he says, "Oh, that's good. That's good. And now once you do that, you're ready to grow. You're ready to grow. Perhaps even grow to the place where this third woman was in the dream. She didn't need a pat on the back. She didn't need a word of encouragement. Because she had the Lord Jesus. That his presence in her life was so strong and so real. That's what fed her. That's what fed her. That was good enough. Didn't the Apostle Paul say one time, My my sufficiency is of Christ. All I need is in Christ. It's all there. Sometimes we, we substitute Christ for other things, hoping these other things will be our strength or our encouragement, but they never will be. Get to the place where it's the Lord Jesus that's your encouragement. Remember the Lord said about the third woman? She knows that I am working in her for eternity and that what I do, though she knows not the explanation now. She will understand hereafter. So, God has a promise for you today, and for me, thank you, Lord. And the promise is in Philippians 1, verse 6. And Paul said this, he said, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It means that God is working in each and every one of us. And you know why he's working in us? Because he values us, and he cares about us, and he loves us, and he's bringing us somewhere. He's bringing us to Christ-likeness because it's the best thing for us. So, while this work is going on, rest in God's love. Because you know that God is resting in His love toward you. God is happy with you. And He's working in your life. So, we're happy with God. That He is working in our life. Learn to rest in who God is. Not the externals. We don't need the externals. We don't need the signs and the wonders. We don't need the miracles. We don't need all the things that don't really build faith anyway. The Word of God builds faith. So we stay with the Word. And we look at the cross of Christ. And we say, thank you, God. Because that's the daily reminder of how much you value me. And how much you love me. That's the reminder. That's the place that we look. We look at the hill called Calvary. And on that hill is a cross. And on that cross is a man. And that man loved you and died for you and atoned for all of your sins. I can't encourage you enough join the Hope Club. Because this is all about building faith. Get a daily devotional every day in your email box. Set some music. It's nice. Go to newhopecc.tv Click the giving button then click e-giving. Choose the radio fund. Fill out the info. Hit submit. Boom. $3 a week. We ask for $3 a week to pay our radio expenses. And we'll send you an email Monday through Friday to build your faith. Got a lot of folks on board we are looking to get more because we want to bless you with the Hope Club devotionals. Thanks for coming along today, and I will see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.